Here we go again. Another edition. We just keep coming at y'all. You see this? I'm very proud of us for like keeping this thing rolling. And you guys keep it rolling by giving me such great ideas for topics. And this is one of the topics that came from a listener. We are about to get into side effects of being broke. Mm. I know somebody in their car right now like, Woo! I know about it. That's why I'm still driving on this donut. Listen, brokenness is a real deal, Holyfield type of thing. But it doesn't have to stay that way. And the reality is, is that sometimes it's a necessary part of the growth and process. So we're going to talk about all of that right here on this episode of Small Doses. And we have a guest and we're going to get into it. Let's do it. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're jumping on these hoes. (sighs) (sighs) Brokeness, brokeness, brokeness. It's a real thing. However... It is not to be confused with being poor. I know sometimes we like to jest and be like, oh my God, I'm so poor. I'm so poor. But I think especially in these days and times when we have an administration that's working so diligently to disenfranchise individuals based on their status and their class to, you know, uh, make it that more difficult for them to get health care, et cetera. We have to be clear about our words and how we are really like positioning ourselves when it comes to our society. And poor and broke are two different things. Broke is a phase. It really is about simply having being without having gone from having to being without poor is a status and I feel like this is really important distinction because sometimes you might think you're just broke but you're really poor because you've been in this situation for such an extended amount of time that now it has become your quality of life it is a it is your lifestyle And unfortunately, this country makes it very hard for you to break out of that once you get too deep into it. And they also make it really easy to fall into that if you are not vigilant or if you just end up on the wrong side of the coin, pun intended. So when I hear like college students be like, I'm so poor, I'm like, I need you to stop because there really are actual poor people that are in America that don't have access to clean water, that don't have access to suitable housing, that don't have access to just even like food and clothes and school lunch. That's an actual existence that a number of people are living in that are part of a cycle and that don't know or don't see a way out of that. And what broke is is being able to, even if you don't have the funds, you still have the hope of getting out of that in an actualized way. I'm not saying poor folks don't have hope. That's not what I'm saying. But when you're broke, you at least have a vision of how that's going to end. That's the reality. Like a lot of us, like you go, you grow up, maybe you grew up and like your parents took care of you. You know what I'm saying? And you know, your, your parents took care of you and then you went to college and now no one was taking care of you. Now you're broke. Because you used to have resources. You used to have a source for your money or for your food or your clothes, etc. And now it's all on you. And you don't have the means. Now you're You're broke. broke. And when you're broke, you feel like 
okay, how can I make this happen? That's when you're doing shit, getting real creative. Ooh, man, you're getting real creative. And those are the things that happen across all forms of just not having money. Creativity and innovation come from lack of. That's the reality. I hate when I hear people say, ooh, that's ghetto, because nine times out of ten, what they really mean is that's innovation. That's That's innovation. innovation. You want to see the most innovative people ever is people that are without because you have to figure out how to still function as a human being and also how to still keep your pride as a human being. This is a country that will shame the shit out of you for not having money, no matter why, no matter the reason why. This is a place where if you don't have bread, they will shame you as if somehow, you know, it it is a reflection of your character for not having money. Don't get me wrong. There are people who have put themselves in situations to where they can't take care of themselves. And then they want to also sap off of other people. And that's some other shit. But the reality is, is that when you are poor, you are in a scenario that a lot of times is outside of you and and is circumstantial beyond your control. And the work to figure out how to get out of that is also a lot of times out of your control. And that's why you feel such pride when you see somebody be like the person that that in their family was able to go to college. You know, the person that in their family was able to, you know, go out of the country because you're like, oh, this is somebody who found a way to kind of like break the cycle. And maybe that will break the cycle of their family in poverty, of their family in a poor status level for an amount of time. When you're broke, it's it's just this it's just this knowing that it's a moment. Everybody listening in their 20s right now is probably broke. <laughs> and it's also just like a lot of times it's also very relative. Like not being able to afford to go to the movies or take a cab for some people is like, "Oh my god, I'm broke." You know, whereas for other people it's like, "I really don't know how I'm about to pay this rent." Like I really 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 don't. That's another level of broke. I've been very many levels of broke, honey. Okay? Very many levels. At one point, I had $200 to my name, bills to be paid, and I decided to go out into the street and sell my bags, not my body. There was some concern in the room. And (laughs) I used to paint these hand-painted bags, and I, like, set up a table on Broadway and Lafayette in New York City to sell these bags. Well, here's the thing. It was the dead of winter. No one the fuck is trying to buy shit from you on the side of this ta- on the side of this street. You know, because of it's freezing. Anybody who's out here is just trying to get to inside somewhere else. They're not looking at what you're selling. It was it was a low point. Um I ended up getting home that evening to, and I walked in to a check from iTunes for $600. And I remember feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> even though my rent was $1,800. <laughs> so like, I still didn't even really know how any of this was going to work. But that was like a thing. You know, I basically for, for three years, I paid my bills on credit cards. I didn't have any real like consistent source of income. I would get a college gig here and there. You know, maybe I would like kind of just luck up and somebody would be like, oh, I have this money over here to give you, you know, but I really didn't know where my money was coming from for quite some time. And I was paying my bills on credit cards. I was defaulting on my student loans. Uh, My mom only had so much bread to help me with and my aunt, but they looked out when they could. But I was legit broke because I had broken the consistency of monetary momentum. That is typically that is exactly what being broke is. 
the consistency of monetary momentum has been broken. Poor is when there is none whatsoever. So you find yourself trying to start that in order to get out of poverty. And when you're broke, you find yourself starting to restart that. And that is the difference. And I remember the day that I walked into my apartment in Los Angeles and something came over me. It was like a wave just that just like just came over me and I knew that I would never be broke again. It was literally, it was as if like I was getting a metaphysical high five from me in another dimension who already knew what's up. And I just knew you'll never be broke again. And I will refuse to be because the, uh, the momentum of the monetary momentum is going and we're going to keep it going. But for all of my folks out there who are broke right now, don't give up hope. For all my folks who are poor right now, don't give in to the cycle. Know that there are better days for you. And as Oscar Wilde says, we are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking up at the stars. Well, y'all, these DMTs right here, right here. So let me just disclaimer off top. Y'all sent me some real questions. You're going to get some real answers. You may not like them. They may make you feel uncomfortable. They're coming from a place of love and they're coming from a place of experience because I have been broke and I have been young. I'm still young. I mean, let's be real, but I have been younger And I can absolutely tell you with full honesty that I have been in a place where I absolutely had no idea how I was going to get out of the broke situation. And I thought this hamster wheel had slowed to a stop. And I literally was just crying on my couch. And I remember sending out some type of tweet that was very dramatic. And DJ Envy read the tweet and called me and was like, get the fuck out of here, B. And I was like, what? What?" And he was like, are you going to kill yourself? And I was like, no. And he was like, okay, then now that we've got that out of the way. So then what are we about to do? Because he was like, you're sitting here acting like so fucking defeated as if you don't have any means to change your circumstance. He was like, and that's just not the case. And it's not the truth. He's like, first thing you need to do is figure out how you can be in control of changing your circumstance. And what's funny is that, like, what he suggested I do was that I start, like, you know, looking at different clubs and places where I could DJ or I could host or, you know, trying to contact schools and let them know I'm available to perform. And it's not even like any of that was successful, but what it, what it did was it provided me with hope. It also provided me with um, action. And it's almost like, and you know, this is this depends on how existential you really feel about things, but whether you're religious or not, or spiritual or not, I am a very big believer in like just the science of like what you put out comes back to you, right? It's Newton's third law. And the reality is, is that you attract what you put out. So it was almost like as if because I was a putting out into the universe that I want to work and that I want to work in order to work and that I have a desire to continue to do this, the universe began to come back to me with opportunities. It wasn't immediate, but it was a real thing that happened. And had I not done that, I would have still just been sitting there like a sitting duck waiting for life to come for me as opposed for me to come for my life. So that's um, that's how we're going to get into this right here. The first question. First question. 
how do you save when you're living paycheck to paycheck? My credit is horrible because I went to an art school and have yet to pay off my student loans. I didn't even graduate because I felt like I was underrepresented and underserved. I need to get to a point where I can save some shit happens money because shit always happens and I always need money. This is literally like a five part answer. So we're going to break it down. How do you save when you're living paycheck to paycheck? You save incrementally. So maybe you don't save from every paycheck, but you make a point of budgeting around the fact that you do need to save. So the answer there is to budget and to be incremental. Maybe it's only $5. Maybe it's only $10. But what you do is you make a point of knowing that this money isn't yours before you even get it. So like for me right now, taxes are kicking my whole entire ass because California taxes kick your whole entire ass. So when I'm looking at my like paycheck or I'm looking at a job, I look at it in thirds. A third of that money is going to the IRS. A third of that money is going to savings. And a third of that money is coming to me. And it makes me manage my expectations. So that's what I'm suggesting for you to do. Budget and look at your money in a realistic way before you even get it. Second, my credit is horrible because I went to an art school and have yet to pay off my student loans. So student loans are a bitch, but there are some ways around and there's some ways to stretch out the repaying of your student loans. There's deferment, which is calling them and being like, listen, I ain't got no fucking money. I'm not trying to go into default. Please, can you just defer my payments for a certain amount of time? Now, they'll do this up to, They'll do this for like, I think, about three different times. They'll do it for like six months. They'll do it for another six months. They'll do it for another six months. There's another term, and it eludes me right now. It's not deferment, but it is... You can call and have them like just... Li- like it's almost like refinancing essentially where you call and you have them spread out the payments over a longer amount of time, which makes your payments smaller. And the goal is that you reach a point in your life where you can be like, ah, I'm back on and I can handle this and pay it off. But the reality is, is that like your student loans are just not an immediate concern of yours, but they end up affecting you immediately when you don't manage them. And it's a bitch and they're usually rude on the phone, and they absolutely try to act like they're better than you, and it's like, bitch, you didn't even go to college. Fuck up, you asking to act like this on, on this phone with me, acting like I'm some irresponsible person for not paying these loans. I was responsible when I went to that school though and did my work, right? Exactly. Fuck out of here. Yeah, I've had that conversation. So I hear you. I didn't graduate because I felt like I was underrepresented and underserved. underserved. I need to get to a point where I can save some shit happens money because shit always happens and I always need money. So sister, I'm going to get real with you. I don't know you. I don't know about your history. I don't know about your present. And I don't know about your future. But what I do know is in these couple sentences, I see somebody that is not thinking in the bigger picture. They're not looking at the map. They're not thinking about the plan. Now, when you left that school that you were being underserved and underrepresented at, I understand that you were not feeling like it was the place to be. But what happened was you left there without something in return for what you were giving. So the frustrating part of that is you now have student loans and you didn't even get the perk of having the degree. So you basically let them win. And I can only assume from the way that you stated this question about shit always happening and you always needing money that you always find yourself in situations where you have to end up trying to figure out the crisis. And that is due to lack of planning. 
Now, when we're young, we're brash. Our emotions are very strong because they're coupled with a new level of knowledge and information. I'm going to tell you a quick little story. I used to work at Sirius Satellite Radio when I was younger. My boss was a terrible man, and I hated going to work because I hated facing him, and I hated feeling like I was being demeaned and disrespected and underserved and underrepresented. But I tried to quit my job at least seven times, and every single time my mom or my friends would talk me out of it because they were like, you're not in a position to be able to handle the consequences of not having income. So you're going to have to suck it up. And that is part of being an adult, sucking it up. Sure, it's uncomfortable, but are you in a situation where you're being abused? Are you in a situation where you're being hurt? Are you in a situation where your spirit is being killed beyond reproach? If not, you better fucking suck it up because you have to create a better situation for yourself. And that does require planning. And sometimes that does require being uncomfortable for a second. But in that uncomfortability, what you have to gain is control. And you get control when you get a plan together and you get a goal together. And when DJ Envy called me that night and got my ass together, he was telling me, you need to get back in control. And when you feel like you have a certain level of control over your destiny, it's, it's, it's hope. And I always say hope is a currency in itself. Hope is a seed that you can sail on to solidity. So I hope that in you listening to my answering this question, you take a look at how you operate and the decision-making processes that you're using because that can help you to never find yourself in a situation again where you're going to be broke. So I suggest that moving forward in terms of saving this money, you don't save it because shit always happens and you need money. You save money because you're going to be trying to make better planning choices and you're going to need money in the future to do what you want to do. Next question. I'm very interested in your hot takes on dating while broke. Expectations for men, what women should and shouldn't think is acceptable. So here's my thing about dating while broke from the point of view of dating heterosexual men. A lot of men, um, because of the way society is set up, feel like if they don't have money, then they're not a valuable partner. I don't feel that to be the case. I feel like you're not a valuable partner if you're not able to be of value to your partner. And I consider that being a value to a partner has way more to do with what you bring to the table in terms of your mental and mission mental, emotional, and physical than what you bring to the table in terms of your pockets. Um, if you are somebody who is complacent, you know, or you're happy with your, your status and you don't have any finances, but you are looking for someone else to be providing the finances for you. That's a different situation altogether. But if you are somebody who is not able to provide equitably, physically, mentally, and emotionally, when you are broke, then I don't believe you should be dating because it's not fair. You shouldn't be dating somebody for the purpose of actual relationships. If you want to be fucking, go be fucking. But when you're actually having like a real genuine exchange with somebody and that's going to keep moving forward, if you know that being broke affects your ability to be a good partner, don't try and get in a partnership with somebody. And I know that I have been in situations with dudes who were, you know, feeling down on themselves because of their financial situation and would take it out on me and would be frustrated with the fact that like I'm, I was doing good at the time. 
you know? And it's almost like when I wasn't doing good, they felt better because then they either felt like they could, I don't know, protect me or whatever, or they felt like, ah, all right, well, she's not doing better than me. So it's cool. As long as she's not doing better than me, it's cool. Society really does push this narrative that men have to be the financial breadwinner in the house. And I don't think that's the case. I think you simply have to be able to provide, um, you just have to provide a certain level of equity. And some people are, and everyone has like different standards of what that is. So for me, it's like, I'm not trying to date somebody that is not able to keep up with me to a certain level financially because I know that that's going to end up leading to a certain level of resentment for a lot of the men that I would date. They already have to deal with the fact that I'm like a celebrity and, you know, I'm in the public eye. So then they're dealing with that along with the fact that like, oh, you know, they can't like, quote unquote, do something as nice for me as I would do for them. Like that's just you're just creating. It's going to be a problem. I think that there are many options, though. In terms of dating, when you, if you're broke, but you still like can be a good partner, like there's so many other options than just doing like grandiose things that are monetarily based. Like one of the best dates I ever went on was based on a movie called, um, oh, what was that movie? It's with Kira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. Begin again? Yes, begin again. And they walk around New York City. And they basically like have one iPod between them and they share the headphones and then they share, they like play a song for each other back and forth, back and forth. That's a free date. I mean, sure, like they had a phone, but I mean, how expensive are headphones and you have a phone. So, you know, if it's really that crazy, like get an Apple, Apple music membership for like one (laughs) for the month or get the trial and (laughs) and then cancel it, you know, or use YouTube videos. Um, but like that was one of the best dates I went on. We did that and we went ice skating. Right? I mean, he turned out to be a trash ass person, but the date was very good. It was a very good date. Um, you know, and then there's always just like the park. You know, the quality time is a great date and typically is very inexpensive. You know, especially if you live in like a metropolis city. There's all these like spaces that you can go to that you find out when you don't have money. You find out about those spaces when you don't have money. You find out like, oh, there's atriums in these different, you know, office buildings that you can go to that are really pretty. And you can just sit there and you can eat your chips. (laughs) But I think that the reality is that like when it comes to, to dating for me, I'm like, I put way more stock in like the level of caring you have versus the level of money you have. Like I, on my birthday two years ago, was seeing somebody and he didn't really have money like that. But you know what he got me for my birthday? He got me three things. First, we had an inside joke about chocolate ice cream because we were talking about the fact that like people always shit on chocolate ice cream as if it's like not good. And it's like chocolate ice cream is delicious. So he got me a tub of Ben and Jerry's chocolate ice cream. And then he got me like a little bouquet of like, flowers like a very like little mini bouquet of flowers and I mean he was like he paid like two dollars for it but it was still like a little mini bouquet of flowers and it was it was adorable it wasn't like a big bouquet but I don't necessarily need a big bouquet but it was just like a cute little mini bouquet of flowers great and then he also got me seven apple juices because I fucking love apple juice it's like steak for me and he got me seven Because my birthday is in July. 
it's the seventh month of the year. Now, some I had a friend who was like, that just sounds like somebody who didn't who didn't know like that it was your birthday and had to come up with something real quick. That's fine. But guess what? It was thoughtful. And each of them had a point and each of them were attached to the world that we had created. And that's all it takes. So it depends on how you're looking at it. The real key to me is determining how someone else that you're dating feels about their brokenness. That is the ticker. Because if they themselves aren't unhappy with it and they themselves feel like they are less because of it, guess what? They ain't going to be much for you. Last question. Variance. So someone sent me like a really long message about basically the fact that they're in grad school and it's kicking their whole ass in the pockets. But their friends have like be their friends are being bankrolled by their parents. And so, you know, their friends will invite them out and they can't go because they don't have the same nest egg. And basically like then their friends will be like, but I miss our friendship because they can't hang out with them because they don't have the money. And they want to know, like, what do you do when you're the broke friend? You fucking suck it up. Here's here's the tea. They, they were like, you know, should I call them out on it? And it's like, there's nothing to really, like, call them out on, per se. Because it's really, like, it's your situation. It's your shit. So the real thing is, like, okay, what do you do to manage this? Maybe you don't go out with them every time. You know, and maybe when you go out with them, you just drink water, you know, like you don't have to play with them in the same way that they're playing. And like if they try to nail you against the wall for it, you're like, listen, I don't have my fucking parents bankrolling me. So unless you're about to buy me this drink, just enjoy my company. You got to let your ego get out of the way. Like, you know, maybe when you go out with them and they order the T-bone, you get the soup and salad. These are the things. But there's no reason to necessarily like cut everybody off. You can also just go out with them and just, like, not eat, you know? And then there's also the idea of, like, not necessarily, like, having to call them out, but maybe just being honest about your situation. And it's like if they hit you with the guilt trip, it's like, listen, I'm not hanging out with you because I don't have the bread. So, you know, as as much as I would love to hang out with y'all, we do need to find some activities that I can be a part of that aren't going to kill me in the pockets. And if they're your true friends, then they will actually heed that request and respond in kind. And if not, well, then lucky on you. Because it took you having no money to find out that these folks don't have no value. Sorry, we had an addendum to that. And if you go out and your friends pull the let's just split it five ways. No, 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 no. We're not splitting it five ways. We're going to split it the ways that it was split. Meaning my shit was $7 and I'm paying $7. Even to this day, when I go out with my friends and they all drink, I'm not paying for your wine. I'm not paying for your beer. I'm not paying for your margarita. I got a Sprite. Fuck out of here. Shut that shit down. All the way down. People I like. Yeah. On this edition of People I Like, we have somebody who I liked from afar for like a really long time. My God. And it was like, I just feel like we would be cool. And like, sometimes you guys will like send me DMs. You'll be like, you're my friend in my head. And this is somebody who was my friend in my head. (laughs) And then I gathered Caitlyn Jenner up like a ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) And she hit me up on the grams. She came all the way through into the DMs and was like, yes, bitch. 
and we've been homies ever since. Oh so I would like to welcome <laughs> Rana <Hello>. to the <laughs> show. Hey, bro, hey. So, you know, <laughs> um, people I like, I always start off by talking about, like, why I like the person. Okay. <laughs> and I've always, one for one, appreciated that you, like me, we have a lot of candor. You know, we speak our minds. Mm-hmm. We are, and we artic- we're, we are articulate in doing so. Mm-hmm. And so I've always appreciated that about you. And then, of course, I just loved your role on Parks and Rec. Uh-huh. And um, that was my first introduction to the grandeur. <laughs> that is Retta. And then when you took us to another level with the opera, I was like, oh, we, we, she a cultured man. <laughs> She's cultured. <laughs> and so, you know, all those elements. But also, though, just in as a black woman in this business, it's always great to just meet another black woman in this business who is unapologetically themselves mm-hmm. and who will challenge things and who will, you know, just speak on things and not... Um, and and it's very clear. I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I feel like you just kind of like don't care if people like you or not. I do care if people like me. I, I, I appreciate people liking me, but I like to know why they don't. And if I do know why they don't, then I then I make that decision on them. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was putting out a certain vibe and that's not what I wanted to put out. Okay. Or I'm like, oh, you're a fucking asshole and I don't give a fuck. There, see. Holla. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, I, I do, I, I, I'm, um, I'm a little bit of a, uh, uh, I forget, not the term has lost me, where I'm kind of... Um, a people pleaser? Not a people pleaser, but I do, like... If someone doesn't like me, it it bugs me. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I'm fucking cool. Like, what are you seeing? I need to know what you're seeing that you're like, I don't like you. And then, but if I, but if you're a person, I'm just even if I don't like them, I'm like, you're the fucking worst. What is going on in your mind that you don't understand what is coming from here? Like, I I obsess yes. on that a little bit, but it's not. It's but there's, there's people that I think are deplorable and Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and and i do want to know why but i don't give a fuck yeah if it happens no i hear you you know what i mean but um yeah i'm one of those people that's like like i like i like everybody to be happy i like i feel like in my head i'm an equalizer i like everything to be fair okay denzel it's a weird thing (laughs) it's a weird i i call it that i call it i like equanimity i like i i I want everybody to be playing on the same level ground you know that kind of thing this is me (laughs) so you know what this is really about it's it's really i just like me (laughs) well yeah you like what you see in yourself (laughs) people i like amanda i like no i just (laughs) my homeboy just tried to close the door silently and it was the (laughs) loudest (laughs) door closed of all time Oh my God. Um, and he's gonna come back because he ordered food so he's gonna come back um no the thing about that though is that it's not necessarily that i like me but when i hear people that think like this it gives me hope yeah because i, mean, I feel like there's a lot of folks that don't think like that that aren't thinking about like you know equanimity for all people that aren't thinking about fairness and aren't thinking about justice you know they're thinking more so about themselves right. or they're thinking yeah. just like if people aren't like me, then they don't deserve these things. Yes. I mean, I learned, you know, this election, I learned 
that just because people aren't like me and I don't, I don't have the same beliefs doesn't make them the devil, which it really took something for me to learn that. Like it took a little what bit of time. What taught you that from this? What, partic- um, what pr- particularly? It was like Van, remember Van Jones mm-hmm. went into, um, I forget where it was, but was talking to some Republicans who just felt, they felt left behind, if you will. Um, and I was like, and I was like, I see their their reasoning. I understand their reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't. Again, people don't. A lot of a lot of people don't see privilege. They don't. Right. They're not familiar with it. So I yes, I want them to be aware of it, but I cannot fault them once I tell you. Once you get the information, okay. Okay. then you move forward, and then and then we figure this shit out. So it's just like I have, I had a, I had a really good friend who um, she was like she would always like every once in a while would uh, we're not tight anymore but she would, she would she would say stuff that was racist and I was like you know that's that's racist and in, when I pointed it out she'd be like oh she goes but my like my, my stepfather is so racist I was like yeah so you're aware you're aware <laughs> that racism is, is a, a negative thing. it's mm-hmm. a it's a negative he possessed it. And yet you're carrying it yeah, forward. You're, you're using that as an excuse as to why you've said what you said, as opposed to saying, oh, fuck, shit. Knowing me, that's where yeah. it came from and being like, you know, let me correct this. Let I me rewire this. I need to self-correct. And that and stuff like that makes me crazy. So, it's yeah, because willful ignorance is when I really just can't handle it. Like yeah. the willful ignorance of, even as it speaks to brokenness, like I've had individuals who are like, once I explain privilege to them, they're like, yeah, but I can still be a broke white person. And I'm like, I'm not saying right. that broke brokenness and classism is universal. But the reality is, is that there's a certain level of privilege associated with your ability to get out of that situation versus other people's abilities to, and about the systems that are in place to even put right. you and keep you in that situation right. versus other people. You know, when I... um. It's funny when you talk about the Van Jones thing, because when I was doing the Katy Perry thing, uh, when we were ha- at that dinner, that had come up, this notion of like, well, we're all Americans. You know, we're all Americans. Mm-hmm. All of us are Americans. Americans. <laughs> and we all have a voice. And everyone has a voice no matter who they voted for. And I was like, I'm not saying that they don't physically possess a voice, but I don't want to hear their voice at this point because they've used their voice to make a decision right. that they had to exercise willful ignorance to make. Because mm-hmm. even if they don't recognize their privilege, I'm like, okay, but you recognize sexism. You rec- well. you know what I'm saying? Like you recognize sexism. You recognize, um, you know, somebody who's just like prejudice. Prejudice. You recognize racism. Even if you don't recognize privilege, you recognize racism. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was a lot of folks that were making decisions during this election that were simply just like, I see all those things, but like, what about right. me though? Right. What about me though? Right. And I know that if it was the reverse. I wouldn't think that way. I would be like, what's the best decision for like most right. people? But when you um you're on a new show. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Good girl. Mm-hmm. Good girl. Um and th- it's all about broads who are broke. Yeah. That gotta figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so when you were um preparing for, <laughs> for this role, like when you prepare for a role, when you see something, you're just like, okay, this is something I like. What was it about this character that you liked? 
Uh, I liked that I was playing a normal human being. I was, I don't feel like versus a trope. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I don't, uh, I, 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 I should say, I feel like I'm getting the opportunity to show the emotions that a lot of white actresses get to show. And I, I haven't had that opportunity really. Nice. Um, and vulnerability. Yes. And, and showing like a loving relationship. Mm -hmm. Not that that doesn't exist. I've just never been offered the opportunity. Got you. Yeah. And so I really appreciated, you know, how much she loves her family, how much she loves her husband, um, that she's willing to do whatever it takes, you know, albeit illegal. (laughs) (laughs) But she's going to go to care To take care of her kids, which you never know if you're in that position. A lot of parents say they would do anything, Mm -hmm. especially if they have a... If if they have a child in that parents who have healthy kids and they don't see it like that they they they're like well that's illegal and that's insane that's crazy when you're backed up against a wall that's when you find out what you can and can't mm-hmm. do um, but I do I I appreciate that um, I just I get I feel like I get to be a normal person and generally I I go out for just the the sassy funny girl who mm-hmm. who the ticket you know the 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 uh, the coat checker the secretary the always to the asi- the aside yes she's always the aside not this time yes, baby I'm not uh, this time you better um, be a part of the top villain. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> MCMI, people call me Bill. When I come up in the party, I feel no guilt. Top billing. Stop yelling. I like that. I like that. Like it's a good time. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Because I feel like a lot of us, you know, you see people on shows and you become married to their character on that show. Yes. And then you're just like, well, can they be another character on another show? Right. You know, like I loved Pam on The Office. And I feel like she's been doing other projects, but she has yet to find like another role that she can sink her teeth into mm-hmm. that feels like as natural as Pam did. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that's like the really hardest part. I mean, I know me and Tiffany, me as Tiffany on Insecure, I'm like making it my business to get to do as much other stuff as possible just mm-hmm. to like not only keep my own chops right. up and running, but to like not let people get too comfortable in like, oh, light skin, straight hair, bougie bitch. Well, that, that's the... I- I feel like with you, because you're so visible outside of that character, at least, I mean, certainly with your fan base, that they know that is a character for you. It's happening. I mean, I yeah. just legit have people be like, huh, you are not like your character. Right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's right. it's TV. I mean, but, but it's, so, it's so funny because everyone, when I, when I pl- was playing Donna, um, pe- now people are always like, oh my God, Don-. first of all, they call me Donna, which uh, nothing makes me yeah. fucking crazier. Hear us, people. Hear well, us. Here's my thing. You follow me. You clicked. Mm-hmm. saw Retta. Mm-hmm. And then you follow so. Retta. <laughs> and then when you comment, you call me Donna. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Nothing Makes oh, me crazy, but that's a bit. They're like, you're so like Donna. You're so like Donna. I'm like, I'm so no, not like not. Donna. I'm so not like. And Donna. for what it's worth, it's like Donna's a character, right? And I'm an actual human, <laughs> so it's naturally going to have some highlights in there. Like now, people will be like, "Oh, you're trying to be Tiffany." Like when I made the statement that if you are buying Jordans and Nike suits, plural, 
and you don't have a passport, you're losing. People are like, oh, okay, Tiffany. Okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it was like, is this a diss? Like, right, what are we... Because right, right, right. as far as I'm concerned on the show, Tiffany has her shit together. Right, right. <laughs> so that's why Tiffany does so much talking. Because <laughs> she's like, you'll be here bringing everybody. Right. You'll be here driving a lift. <laughs> you'll be here always drunk. I'm with my man. Right, We're right. married. Right. And I have a PR company. I don't know why. <laughs> why am I the bad guy? Why am I the bad guy? I just want to see my sisters flourish and elevate. Excellent. No, so I am. Um, but no, congratulations. And love seeing you continue to keep moving. And, and, and just... This business is so hard to like keep moving in, especially when you've been on an already successful show. Mm. It's almost like you would naturally think, well, I was on a successful show, so now I would keep being successful. That's, how about, um, so I didn't have an agent the whole time I was on Parks. What? Do you know how hard it is to get an agent if you're on a show? <laughs> you can't get an agent because they're not going to get your money. Because because I booked that show. Prior to them being yeah, on board. They don't get Park's money, so I couldn't get an agent. I didn't get an agent till it was ending, towards the end. And I think, like, I guess it was probably the end of sixth season, and then we went into seven, um, <laughs> that I got my agent. That's insanity. Yeah. That's insanity. Well, welcome to the team, agent. <laughs> <laughs> good work. And um, so when can they see Good Girls? Uh, Mondays at 10 on NBC. But boom, let's be real. Boom, boom. <laughs> or NBC app or on Hulu. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many at this point. It's yeah. just like when people tell me like, the time their shows come on, I'm like, does yeah. that matter anymore? Yeah. You can I mean, you it? want it to be appointment TV, but but whatever you do, watch it with, within three days <laughs> of it airing because okay. that, that helps the ratings better than Tell banking. Them. Binging is not, does not help shows that come on weekly. weekly. It does not help. Okay. All right. So we just learned a lesson for all y'all out there, especially folks who are very much about like, I want to support shows that are supporting right. different voices and that are supporting different perspectives. There's still an old school situation system in place. When Roseanne gets a bajillion viewers, you're like, how did we get, get here? here? Nobody's 18. supposed to be here. Point eight. I don't believe it. I, that's what I said. I was like, nobody gets those numbers anymore. How is that? What did everybody have their TVs off for the last six years, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of America, they turned them on? And, and then like, also, like, how they even find out? Like, it's like it's, everyone had their TVs off, but they were on Twitter, and they're like, "Oh, Roseanne <laughs> coming back! Got to turn it on." Part of it, I mean, I mean, part of it, I wonder if it's like rubbernecking because she's been so batshit crazy on Twitter and that kind of thing, and people just wanted to see what choices they were going to make. For the TV, Roseanne, mm. in comparison to the... Well, I think that's part of the... That was not by accident. I mean, she knows what she's doing. Well, that I don't know. I mean, well, the network for sure. I feel like that's, sure part of the, like, that's part of the praxis. It's like, I'm going to wall out because my show is coming on. I mean, that's... Um, no. No, I don't think so. You do no, 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 no. I think, she, I think she's just... And, uh, and, and Sarah... Was the one who Gilbert. was like, let's let's see if we can put it back together. Interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't her. her. It, no, it wasn't her. Okay. I well, don't think she thought that they would want to because yeah. of all the backlash she's gotten. And Sarah's over there on the talk and she produces the talk. She EPs the talk. Mm-hmm. But you? The I talk. think she created. Yeah, She created the like, talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I did not watch. 
Um, <laughs> and at first I was like, oh, like I wanted to watch it. But then when I saw her supporting Orange 45, I was like, oh, I can't. I'll just have to miss DJ and Bex <laughs> and the crew. And that'll be that. So there it is. But, you know, that's a show about some broke folks that we're figuring it out. This whole episode, our theme has been about being broke and figuring it out and being the broke friend and, you know, how you get out of brokenness. We talk about broke versus poor. And uh, we're about to get into our next segment where we tell our own stories. Um, and I've got a doozy for y'all today. I've got, this, is, this is a good one. This is a good one. As we get into that one time. That, that one time. time. <laughs> so... I was very fortunate because I was on like MTV and I was doing radio and I was very like involved in hip hop where I did have like a lot of friends that were wealthy, but I was not right. right? So like I drove in a lot of Benzas mm-hmm. um, while I was on the train. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I always had like this like beacon to look towards of just like, this is where I want to be right. because it was always smushed up right. against my face. <laughs> Like, As the leather smelled real good. Mm, like, what is that, leather? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Oh, oh, okay. While I'm in my pleather Forever 21 <laughs> jacket, like, coming through. It's pleather because I love animals. Yeah. It's yeah. vegan. It's a vegan it's jacket. It's a vegan jacket. <laughs> so Q-Tip and I have been close for quite some time. And, uh, like, he was on one of my records and I was on his album. And, um, but he was always, like, a very, like, good friend of mine and- as someone who is a legend, like, I feel like I learned a lot from him about the business and about the game. And then, like, it was just always, like, surreal to me that, like, you know, I love a Tribe Called Quest. And, like, this is, like, the homie. I'd have to remind him sometimes, like, you know you're cute, right? right? And he'd be like, ugh. ugh." (laughs) Um, Like, we'd be out and people would just be so extra. And it'd just be like, I, like, I need you to stop. (laughs) Like, we're eating Mexican food. Right, right. One time someone came and pulled up a chair next to us. Like, legit, like. Bold. (laughs) How y'all doing? <laughs> and we were like in the middle of enchiladas. And it was like, bro, 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 we can't. And like Q-Tip, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be like real like, yo, you, you know, I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you, brother. You know, we're in the middle of dinner right here. You know? And so, but, but you know, Kamal, as his friends call him, is a very uh, thoughtful person. He's very, he, he's not, I say all that to say that he's not like somebody who's like, yo, Let's be out here in the Bugattis and, you know, like, so he's super chill. So for his birthday one year, he had a dinner at Nobu. But Nobu is very expensive sushi. And it's the kind of place that you only go when you're broke with somebody that has a corporate card. (laughs) You know, like you interview a rapper and they're like, let's go eat. And you're like, okay. (laughs) You know, so you treat yourself. Mm-hmm. And then they say like, oh, don't you love the yellow, yellowtail sashimi? And you're like, mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but all right, cool. And you have to pretend, like I remember going on going on a date with Nick Cannon one time and like <laughs> he, I always tell this story because I find it hilarious now, but he ordered edamame and I'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. And I had to just like pretend that I was cultured. Yeah. And so I just like, Ate it. It's like you and Julia Roberts when you flick the clam. Yes. <laughs> and I ate the edamame without like taking uh, the uh, pods. <laughs> yeah. And I had to just chew that motherfucker. Wow. Just. <laughs> it was a stringy battle, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a stringy battle. It was pure struggle. Oh, God. And 
I legit, I legit had to like swallow it eventually. And I feel like my esophagus has sense memory. <laughs> like I can feel it going down. And Nick at no point like acknowledged, but I feel like he absolutely had to have noticed like, right. oh, look at this fool. <laughs> <laughs> look at this fool. <laughs> so, so we go to Nobu for Q-Tips dinner and the dinner is like very star-studded. It's like, um, there's like place settings for Puff and like his band is there and Angie Martinez and, um, who else is there? Like Dream Hampton, uh, Bay and Jay were also dining at the restaurant. So they like came in and sang happy birthday. Mm-hmm. So I'm in there just like, oh my God, look at the company I'm in. Mm-hmm. You know, Beyonce was like, oh man, I love your eyeshadow. How do you do it? And I was like, <laughs> she's like, who did it? And I was like, I did. <laughs> she's like, oh, okay. Because I don't have a team yet. Right? I don't have a team. I don't have a glam squad. So... We have this dinner and it's like the food just keeps coming. Mm -hmm. Like every time, the minute you finish a plate, it's like, there's Mm -hmm. another plate in there. People are having wine. Like everybody's just like really just having a blast. And, you know, I'm like so happy to be here. So I'm just like enjoying myself and like, look at me with all these, you know, classy folks. And, And then just when I got comfortable and thinking like, okay, like this is good. This is a good experience for you. A phone is passed around under the table, inconspicuously. And when the phone gets to me, it says, "Everybody owes three fifty for the meal." <laughs> that just made me sick just now, and I got money. <laughs> it was, right, right. <laughs> when this landed in my lap, like three fifty in two thousand and eight, <laughs> dude, that's. That is, it might have been, that might have been 208 BC. Like, <laughs> that is life-changing money. I talked about earlier in the show that I, like, at one point had $200 to my name. I had to go sell, like, hand-painted bags on the street. And I came... <laughs> I came. But you know what? I love that you had the wherewithal. I, I, love that. <laughs> I love that you were like, you know what? I'm going to paint bags. Well, you're Liberian. <laughs> I'm from Grenada. I'm gonna sell I'm, these bags. Yeah, there's a there's an the immigrant spirit that says like, I will not be put right. asunder. I will look in this house and find some way to make some type of money. Exactly. And I came home to a check for six hundred dollars, and I was like, I'm uh, saved. Yeah. So like, that's the thing. Like, three hundred fifty dollars is not that much money in hindsight, but back then, when you have nothing, three hundred and fifty dollars is like, and three hundred fifty dollars for food. It is so dumb. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's really dumb. And I must if have... If you weren't treating everyone for 350 it's really dumb. It's really dumb. <laughs> and like, it's someone's birthday who is so wealthy. <laughs> like, they are so much wealthier than mm-hmm. me. So like, it was just kind of like, so, like, just so many thoughts flashed over my head. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to get on the pole for this? Like... <laughs> Where them dollars at? Where them dollars at? Like, how am what? I going to make this happen? And then you start trying to plot your escape. Because what way can you get out of this without looking embarrassing and shameful, right? Like, because do you go to the bathroom and, like, shimmy out the window? You know, do you <laughs> do you go to Q-tip? Because you can't, because the, it's been, you can see that it's been done surreptitiously for a right, reason. Right. So now you don't want to, like, go to the host and be like, hey, bro, hey, dog, 
I know I'm your people and all. It's your birthday, but how are we going to do this? And so I was at that table having a full panic attack. And I guess it was able to be read on my face because Usher's now wife, Grace, was sitting next to me. And she just put her her hand on my leg and was like, I got you. Okay. I'd never met this woman before. Seriously, I'm about to cry. No, like, (laughs) I'd never met this woman before, ever. And I, you are about to cry. Yeah, that, it, the kindness. The kindness, yes. <laughs> and she just, it was it was a real sisterhood moment because I genuinely was like, I will absolutely be embarrassed after this. <laughs> <laughs> like, they'll never invite me out. I mean. And she had me do? and that was it. She literally just, she just said, I got you. And that was that. But I appreciate that she recognized, like, this right. is a young woman in the industry. And even though she's here with us, she don't got the means for right. this. Like you right. could just tell probably by my vegan. She was like, "Oh, she ain't got it." I just got like, <laughs> "What is that pleather?" Like, yeah, she put that together. Oh my God, I just got. Re- I was passed out. I just got so like. Lordy. She saw the Velcro on my shoes. It was like, ah, oh, mommy. Let me reach out to one. Reach out and touch. Ooh, she definitely. Somebody's hands. <laughs> Make this world better place. So I will forever and ever and ever be thankful for that, that because hilarious. I don't really get embarrassed. I don't right. find myself in a lot of embarrassing situations. So I feel like I typically have enough foresight to be like, nah. Right. But they got me on this one. <laughs> got me but i guess yeah i mean yeah the dinner thing that'll always get mess you up and if it's somebody's birthday like my thing was when i was not that i was so so broke but i was in a place of you know it's yeah it's like week to week like whatever and i remember it was a friend's birthday and you know that's my bad i shouldn't have just i should shouldn't have gone i shouldn't have gone but they, I don't eat sushi, but she's like, come, come, come. Mm-hmm. So I went and I had, you know, the rock shrimp. That's it. And, you know, and I, I mean, I did pay it, but I was trust that I was salty. Right. That I, you know, put in my share. And that's fine. I, but I, I will say that it has made me aggressively the person to cover the people I know that can't mm. do it. But also... Don't come out with us all the time if you know you can't <laughs> you can't pay for some shit. So we had a question earlier in the show where someone was just like, you know, I'm the broke friend and I feel mm-hmm. like my friends don't respect that I'm the broke friend. And they be like, why don't you ever come out? And it's like, oh, no. sometimes though you have people though who always come out and want to yes. have like all the fun. And it's like, but you don't have the means. And then everyone else ends up paying for you. Like yeah. I had a, I had a homegirl who, when we were in Grenada, she kept coming out with no cash. And it was like, we would have to cover her. And she'd be like, oh, I'll Venmo you, I'll Venmo you. But you're just like, yeah, but now I'm using up all my cash. And it was just like, are you... And at a certain point, I had to be like, I hope that you, before this trip is over, can offer something that I can share with you. (laughs) And not just the other way around. And I wasn't trying to be shady Uh, as much as just calling out like, like we said, equanimity. Yeah. You can't do that. But... Have you ever, have you ever been broke to a point where you were like, I don't know how this is going to turn around? Yeah. Yes. I, when I first moved to LA, um, 
I wasn't getting work. I remember um, my car got repossessed. It was a Oof. lease. And I will forever hate on the security guard at the apartment building for letting the tow truck in when Ooh. they weren't coming. It's not like they were coming home. He just let them in and they took the car. Whatever. I, I was Obviously, I wasn't paying the lease, so they deserved their <laughs> but car But still, though. But still, though. But, but still, though. Yeah, and still. And I, I mean, something lucky happened with that whole thing anyway, where I didn't end up having to pay a big penalty because of some legal shit. But Nice. But, and then... And then I didn't have a place. We had an issue with our <clears throat> our apartment. We had ants, and they weren't handling the ants, so we just left. And we like we had to go to court and all this whole thing. So I was without an apartment. So I would sleep on my friend's floor during the week and then drive Ooh. out to Temecula to stay with my friend. So I would be out of my other friend's hair on the weekends. Okay. Um, and and I that's finally, the other part of being broke, though, right? Like being so aware of like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. All of the things. I don't want to. All of the things. So um, then I finally got, <clears throat> I finally started touring. So I finally. As a stand-up. Yes. So, uh, you know, making a little bit of money. So I got an apartment that was like three, when I first got there, it was three fifty, three seventy five a month. It was a, it was a studio. Okay. Little studio space. <clears throat> but it was your space. But it was my space. Um, Tom. And then things crashed and I wasn't booking and so I was living off credit cards. What I, made things crash? 9-11. Um, oh, literally. 9-11 happened. And so there, <laughs> sorry, there, uh, there weren't as many gigs because I did toward colleges. So there weren't as many college shows. Mm. Um, they weren't doing like network deals yeah, and everything. Yeah, and that was yeah. the big thing that people were trying to push for. Um, and so I remember sending an email saying I'll babysit, I'll pet sit, I'll house sit. And I had I had a friend uh Dave Nadelberg sent, emailed me and said, "Remember when you sent this email however many years ago?" I used to I used to um I even did um I answered Aisha Tyler's uh fan mail. She paid me to do that. But I, at that point I I was coming back from it, so I had started going back on the road a little bit. Uh-huh. But um but yeah, it was like you know, desperate times. But you know what, though? So here's my question for you. Like, when, what was the process to get to saying, I got to send this fucking email? Like, was it just like a, I got to do what I got to do? Or did you have to, like, get over a certain level of pride? Like, did you have to hit a certain <clears throat> bottom to say, like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. Because I feel like a lot of folks will really cry broke who have yet to really holla at just doing what they got to do. Right. Because their pride is like, well, I'm, they'll be like, I'm broke. I'm like, no, you're just prideful at a certain point. Cause like you may not be able to do what you exactly want to do right now, but you could do things to get a means. I never, I, I didn't think that I was, well, I always knew in the back of my head, worse comes to worse. I can pack I can it up and go to bowl. Jersey. <laughs> oh, 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 right. Yeah. 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 That's what you were going to say. Got uh, it. Not with these knees. Um, <laughs> at the very least, I could, I, I have a place to rest my head. So I never really mm. feared sleeping in my car because I knew okay. I could go back to Jersey. Didn't want to. Right. Had zero interest in it. But I knew I could do something and, and, and maybe hustle, hustle, hustle and, and, and work my way back. back. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so, so I never, it was never dire straits in that 
I thought I really thought that I was going to have to go bag groceries. And for me, that would have been hard mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, to, of to be at the Ralph's. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it would have been. Ha- but um, so I just hustled in a way, i.e. using shifting credit card limits. We talked about this earlier in the show. That, yes. All that. I mean, I did all of yeah. the things using those checks that they would send you to pay the rent. Oh, wow. To pay the you rent. You did that. Now, yeah. the, and the interest on those is like super crazy. It's crazy. And but paying then you, it back is but a But then you hustle during the month some kind of way. Yeah, to get so it So that, you know, I mean, I... I I did it. I I got to the place and my credit was crazy, mm-hmm. but then I worked really really hard to get my credit back. And and I think a lot of people don't. A lot of people love to be like credit is a racket and credit is this, and no one is denying that. Mm. But it's real. Yeah. Like unfortunately, <laughs> it is a real part of advancing in this fucked up economic space and mm-hmm. society. And like. I just recently had a situation where my credit was like approved without the bat of an eye, and my mom was like, "Man's." You reach where you're going. When your credit just checks so, you reach <laughs> where, where you're going. going. <laughs> I'm telling you, I when the first time they upped my limit without me calling, Why? I was like, who, who am, am I? I? This bitch is pulling. <laughs> I was like up to 2,500. Like, I really was like, no, like that was money. Like, I was like, Listen, my life has changed. I've up in had this a piece. credit card where they're like, you can spend $750. 500, 500 mm-hmm. my first one. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the limit. Don't even play with us, bitch. You better pay up. Yeah. No, and, and, and I want to, I want y'all to hear these stories because I think all of us have been in a place where you're just like, is it ever going to change? Yeah. Like, could it ever? But see, that's the thing. I feel like, for me, you have to know that it is. But I feel like even though I, I feel like there's sometimes like a difference between knowing and believing. It's like, even if you know in the back of your mind, like, okay, this is, this isn't, oh, is it? In the moment, you may not believe because you don't have like the tangible mm-hmm. evidence in front of your face mm-hmm. of like how, how, but how, yeah. but how, and the people around you, this is why I always tell y'all have people around you who believe in you more than you believe in yourself mm-hmm. because they're the ones who have to always believe. And so even when you have those doubtful moments right. of disbelief, they're the ones who are like, right, a bitch, get out of here. Like mm-hmm. you, come right. on, man, you're right. going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And that's when you're like, okay, okay. And then my next question is any ideas, any ideas? Because I remember oh, right. having to wake up in the morning and be like, all right, you got to find a way to sell four Hand-painted tote bags <laughs> on MySpace by the end of the day. Hand-painted tote bags. <laughs> the fact that that was your route. So, wait. just <laughs> Let me just pause this real quick so I can show you these bags. So, these bags. I'm showing Red of the bags. These bags are how I lasted in, um, in New York. I can't. And my mom... Listen, I will forever have a level of thankfulness and appreciation for my mom because especially as a West Indian, like so often, like this is what I was doing. I can't. (laughs) Do you see these bags? bags. (laughs) So often when you have like parents that have emigrated from the third, the quote unquote third world, they really are not supporting you doing art. Like, no, because of this reason, because they're like, how are you going to sustain? 
And yeah. at a certain point, my mom had to just come to grips with like, <laughs> she's an RC bitch. Like, there's no other way. Like, this is an RC ass bitch. Like, I've always been this. It was never uh, like I turned course. Right. I was always this crafty little girl doing drawing shit. And my mom and my aunt, like, they really... What they did, which was different than I think a lot of other parents, like, don't get me wrong, like, when I was in dire straits for bread, like, they would give it to me. But it was more so, like, they were helping me use the the resources in myself that I already had mm-hmm. to, like, help get myself back on my feet. So, like, my mom would buy tote bags. Mm-hmm. And send me the tote bag. Gotcha. I'm responsible for painting the bags right. and selling the bags. My mom was hustling Michael's coupons, right. you right. know, and like she would like go to like six different Michael's in Orlando mm-hmm. and use the 50% off. And it's not what well, it wasn't illegal, but it was just like, do you have the time to do that? Right. My mom had the time. She found the time. And so even like with my artwork, she was always like, sell your prints, sell your prints, sell your prints. And it was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get Prince made, and so my mom like found some random man in like Windermere or, or in Winter Park, Florida, who would like make prints of my art so that I could sell them mm-hmm. online. And so, you know, I always was supported in my art as as my art being a way and a means for me to keep going and mm-hmm. advancing. And like, even when it came to poetry, you know, it was like I had to like try and like use poetry. And so then my mom found out, like, oh, you can self publish a poetry book mm-hmm. because when poets would have like albums that they would sell at shows like that's how you ended up really making your money so like we published a poetry book called young skin wise mind old soul which my mom is like when are you gonna republish the poetry book (laughs) when are you gonna republish it and i'm like i mean event soon i mean it's right here but you know that was the thing that i felt like the biggest thing that i learned from being broke is that I had the means within me to change my situation. And I think that the hardest thing when you're broke is not letting depression take you down a road where you forget that. Right. You know? I I think my my, um, route would have been like the housekeeping because that's what my mom did when we were you know, broke, Mm -hmm. like close to Christmas. She got clients and cleaned houses and we went with her and cleaned houses and stuff like that. So yeah, my, mine would have been the, the doing. I don't know that I would have been a creator of things, but the doing, doing. like the, but you created the the opportunity, but you're creating the hustle. You know what I'm saying? Like I, when I met Herbie Hancock, he had said to me, Everyone is a creative because living life takes creativity, Mm -hmm. figuring out how to sustain. And I think that that's the thing. Like a lot of people underestimate that and they think like, damn, like what am I going to do? And like as a creative, I'm always telling people like if you're in a situation right now and I was talking about this on my Instagram, if you're in a situation where you feel like, damn, like I'm broke. So I got to put all my energy into just getting money and it's taking away from me being able to even do my creativity. You can't let that get too far yeah. without figuring out a way for yourself to, to keep that outlet. Yeah. yeah, to keep that outlet going. That's how you get really off track and your spirit gets off track. And then mm. you just start resenting yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know, you start resenting yourself and then you resent people. You know, like I had a broke nigga boyfriend. Mm-hmm. We've all had that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> And he just was like somebody who I felt like, no matter what I did to help, it didn't matter because he himself really was not taking the the um, the bull by the horns to get mm-hmm. himself out of his situation. And so he ended up resenting me for basically Always. like enabling. <laughs> well, I mean, but you also, I prefer the person that resents you for that mm-hmm. than the person that just rides it. Fair enough. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. He he rode it. He, <laughs> <laughs> he's still riding that shit. Like, yeah. He's definitely still yeah. like. Dun, 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 dun. I used to date Amanda. Yeah. So, but I've heard stories. But so I um. But I just want y'all to know you're listening to two broads mm-hmm. who sat on the street and sold art. Who told people they would. <laughs> babysit and dog watch and house sit when the going got tough and now we got money yeah you know and what i what i wanted the reason why i'm saying that is because you have to look at it like it's just a moment in your vision and sometimes your pride can get in the way and be like i would never do that i would never do that because i'm this and I'm that and it's like listen you ain't got to do the shit forever right but if it's the bridge that you got to cross over to get you to some higher ground, just do it. And my big thing is also you have to be content where you are. You have to, in other words, not not content in that you're willing to stay there. You have to enjoy the space you're in knowing you're going to get to the space the you want to be in. You have to, in other words... Go out with your friends. Do you have to do something cheap? Find, the, figure out wh- where you know whose house you're going to hang out with. <laughs> Be around people who are uplifting and mm-hmm. good energy and cool and fun. But that way, that keeps that that keeps the depression at bay. Yeah, because you're still have your weekends, if you will. You know what I mean? You <laughs> no, still yes. have your weekends. There's a pocket of joy. Yes, you have to have that. Otherwise, it just, it, you you find yourself like gasping for air because you you just can't find a happy space at all. I mean, and I would be <clears throat> broken. Like people would invite me out sometimes and I'd be like, so I'm just going to come and celebrate your shit while my shit is <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> but that's another thing. You have to also be able to look past that. Yes. You have to be able to look... And be like, because it's going to be your turn Mm -hmm. to celebrate. But it would be people like, you know, come to this club for this whatever. And I'd be like, why am I coming to so-and-so's album release party because of that? And then then what I would find out is that I realized in this line of work that we're in, I needed to be out in order to advance. There were so many times where I'd be like, man, I don't want to go out. Man, fuck it. Just go. And I would meet somebody. Mm Let me tell y'all a quick story because we this is going to be a two-hour episode at this rate. Um, I remember not wanting to go out, like legitimately being in my house like, ah, yeah. I got to get dressed and go out. I'm a cancer. My house is going out. <laughs> like, where are you going? Club couch. Oh, my God. My brother. So we are so about this place. So I forced myself to go out to this like event. And it's, it's, it was New York at the time where people loved to be like, it's an event. Everything is an event. And, it's an event. and you get there and it's like, this ain't no fucking event. <laughs> This, this is, is a set. A, it's a set. <laughs> it's a gathering. It's ain't a fucking event. But I was like, fine, I'll go. So I go to this event and it was at this club downtown. I, God, I can't remember the name. I want to say it was Club Envy or something like that. And I remember meeting this woman there um, who worked at MTV and she's like a producer at MTV. And they're like, oh, you should meet so-and-so. Da-da-da-da. It's always you should meet so-and-so. So I met her and um, she like knew, she had heard of me or something. And she was like, oh yeah, you know, we should exchange information. So we exchange information. And I'm very good at following up. Mm-hmm. Um, one way of getting out of brokenness is also like just follow up, keep following up. Mm-hmm. So I, I was, I'm very good at following up. And so I had hit her and was like, um, hey, you know, we met at the event, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no. What am I saying? I hit her the first time and she didn't respond. Mm-hmm. Then I hit her again. I sent her another email, like maybe two, like a week later. Like, hey, one touching base, you know, I just wanted to 
like, you know, just get mm-hmm. a meeting on the book. She didn't respond. And then by the third email, I had to send the, my previous emails have not been responded to. Mm-hmm. Well, she responded to that one. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, like I had missed them, blah, 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 blah. Now, the reason I'm telling the story is because there was a time where I would not have sent that second email. Because right. it would have been like, oh, the bitch right. don't want to respond right. to the email. Right. Okay. You know, but when you get to a certain level of broke um, <laughs> and a certain level of growth, you're right. just like, I got to stay on this. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up following up and um, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to hit her up again. She replied. We ended up having a meeting. A year later, she casted me on a show. Uh, that January where I sat on that street and sold those bags, I came home that day to a check for $600 and I had told my friend, I was like, I have to get a real job. Like, I have to get a real job. And he was like, just wait till March. And I was like, why? He was like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Something is telling me just wait till March. In March, the show that I had done for her, the pilot, got picked up. Mm -hmm. And it changed my life. I had a gig. It changed my life. Like I was back on my feet again. I had a gig. But if I had not started that relationship with her, Mm -hmm. because all the people she had casted on the show were people that she had personal relationships with. They were all people that she felt like she had had connections with. And that's where I met Charlemagne. And that's where I met Boo and Debbie and Samia. And um, it just was one of those things where like I really had to look back and be like, had you -hmm. you not gone out? That wouldn't have happened. And that's happened so many times. And I mean, I was on MTV when I was 21 and thought I was popping. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was 21 through 23. I was popping. I was buying my mom coach bags. Like that was. <laughs> like I, Coach was my first <laughs> designer bag too. <laughs> I was like, I'm buying my mom coach bags out in this bitch. What? Nobody can fuck with me. And it oh was God. very real. And oh I, God. um, and and then when I got fired, you know, in in 2005, it was like, it was a doozy because I had seen what it was like to have money. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when you don't even know. It's another right. thing when you know what you're missing. That's, that's the big thing for me. It's like, I mean, and I'm starting to get over it now. But for me, it's like, people are like, oh my God, you'll work forever. And I'm like, you don't know. You're like, you were on parks. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I was. I was on parks. You better say it. I was on parks. You're only as good as the gig. And I'm like, I don't know what this future holds. Thank you. They're like, oh my God, how come you didn't tell me you were going to be in such and such? I'm like, because I didn't know if it was going to get cut. (laughs) You know, this is the first, I'm honestly, good girls is the first thing that I was like, I was telling folks because I knew I had to be in it. (laughs) I was a storyline. There was no way I was getting cut. (laughs) <laughs> from the show. The show. You know what I mean? Even on Parks, I was like, I don't know if that shit gonna make it in. Every episode, but you I was know, like, it did make it in. It's treat yourself. But it's 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 like one of those things where you can't you can't people who rest on their laurels, people who spend all their money because they think it's gonna keep coming. Listen, people, like I, I, I'm just that I I I've been too broke. <laughs> to 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 feel like it's all good, even though I know I will never be broke again. It's I still, still yeah. am like, okay, what? When is that check coming? Still, I'm still, I'm still like, I'm sorry, I, you I owe me you? a seven dollar refund. Listen, 
I go through my my credit card when I stay at a hotel. I go. I used to. I used to line items. I used to go through line items um, on my credit cards. Right. Listen. Yes. Go through my line items. I would have like a seven dollar charge on my from a, from the hotel, <laughs> and I would call them and I'd be like, "Hi, <laughs> when I checked out, I told you I had the one Evian mm-hmm. and the Twix. Mm-hmm. I paid the seven dollars. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to reverse it on my yes. credit. Like I would do that. I, it, do you know it? It took everything for me to give over paying my bills to my business manager. I'm not there yet. It it is, and I still and, I'm still and they still send it to me, and I still line item check it. I'm impressed. I'm about to meet with my new bookkeeper next week. I'm so. And I'm, it's. I think I think they're gonna steal all my shit. <laughs> I really do. you I'm wouldn't like, be the first. They're all gonna steal my you shit, and I'm so paranoid. There was a point. There was a point. It was like a three-month period when I didn't have the login to my account that they run. And I was the most <laughs> anxiety-ridden person because I was like, I need to fucking know that I that need, cash is in that I bitch. I need to see it. Yeah. It, stress, it still stresses me out to think So what we've it. now transformed from our broke people problems to champagne problems. That's <laughs> yes. what we've... We just had a whole champagne problems conversation. And you will too. Yeah. That's the point. Get to the champagne problem. Cheers. Get to- <laughs> Drink up. <laughs> The last dose. Uh, big ups to Retta for coming through and chilling with us and just keeping it real about the brokenness. Big ups to you all out there for tuning in every week to Small Doses and just letting me talk my shit and telling me that it's actually shit that is covering gems. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a show where we really genuinely just want to speak genuinely. And I think that's what I feel a lot of you all are attaching to. And I appreciate that. But this show is about brokenness. And one thing I want to remind everybody is that even when you're broke, you're not broken. Okay. And the reality is that everybody for the most part has been there. Even these rich motherfuckers, be feeling like they broke because their daddy only gave them a million dollars versus two million. So it's all perspective. It's all subjective. And when it comes down to it, this is a life that is yours and your destiny can be determined by you. And even when you think that there's no other end roads, there's absolutely another option. Sometimes you just got to get out of your space and you got to get out of your head to find it. And so hopefully this episode may have done that for somebody sitting at home right now that maybe thought, I don't know where this next shit is coming from. And by listening, you were like, Bing, I'm about to get money. Have a good one. <laughs> 